commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Welcome to the Banal of America coronavirus. Ah, yeah, I said it right. What am I doing? Coronavirus special report number nine with Dr. Tyler Cokejohn. Welcome back, my friend, Dr. Tyler. Hey, thank you. Good to be here. Uh, as I teased at the end of the show last week and uh, in the little write-up here for tonight's show, uh, I think this is probably, barring some crazy development in like the next week or so, I think this is probably our last, our penultimate uh, weekly installment of the coronavirus special report. Um, uh, As I was saying to Tyler before we came on the air, it's like, I just, you know, it's weird because when we started all this, uh, everything had this real like breaking news vibe to it, and uh, we started our first episode of this little mini series was back on March 13th, um, and it, things were happening fast and furious. Because uh, I remember I was going to just do one a one off show with Tyler, and I was like, we need to stay on this story because this story is just going to keep, um, you know, this this story is just going to keep getting crazier and crazier, and it did for a long time, and it's still crazy. It's still really, really crazy, um, but now it feels like we've settled into this the, the novelty, no pun intended, with the novel coronavirus. The novelty of all this has really kind of worn off, in a sense. People have adjusted to the fact that we now live in this world uh, where we're just dealing with this fucking coronavirus all the time. And so to me, uh, I feel like maybe it's time to sort of, uh, we talked a lot on the show about sort of, you know, the valve, loosening the valve and going back to work and reopening America and all that stuff. I feel like maybe it's time for us here at Banal of America to sort of, uh, I don't know, loosen or tighten the valve or just sort of adjust, adjust what we're doing here a little bit. And so this will be the penultimate weekly installment of the coronavirus uh, crisis special report. And next week we'll go out with a bang, and uh, then Tyler will be back sometime in the future uh, for for sporadic updates on the situation. So even though next week is the coronavirus special report number 10, I like to end things on a 10. Uh, So we we finished Banal Americas on season 10. 
Uh, we're going to wrap up the coronavirus uh, crisis special report at uh, episode ten, and uh, you know then we'll then we'll we'll recon we'll reconvene. We'll get back together again, me and Tyler, in about six weeks or something like that to assess the situation and get a feel for where we're at. Um, because now it seems like everything was just like I said before, everything was happening at this breakneck pace, and now things are have kind of really slowed down um to a remarkable degree, and people have adjusted to this this life that we're living in where where we just have this fucking shitty ass plague looming over us um and it's really remarkable i mean I don't know if you've taken the time to sort of think about it tyler i I have where just sort of th- that this is like as I said to you, I saw somebody say this on t v it, it's not the new normal it's the now normal this is the this is what's normal now that we live in this world um you where where there's this plague essentially there's this terrible uh virus and and uh, it's tearing people apart it's uh it's causing all it's just it's just torn society asunder i mean have you ever like kind of like stopped in the last few weeks just to just to like look at what the fuck is happening and be like dear god what Wow. Yes, it, it is amazing that you would think that at a time when we would be united against the common enemy, uh, we found ways to uh, fight each other politically. And that, that's fascinating and disheartening at the same time. It's unfortunate. But, you know, we're not always going to agree on everything. But it yeah. was, uh, to me, very amazing at how quick the uh, – the lines became drawn politically. And it's just a, uh, a fascinating sort of thing to watch. I, I wish it wasn't that way, but that's how it's drawn. So here we are. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really that is, it's really disappointing. Um and you know, we've I mean, look at uh we've certainly delved into the political end of things on here, but but begrudgingly I think I, I think I, I think I can get away with saying that. <laughs> I've tried to what? I've tried to keep, keep keep this as relatively apolitical as possible, despite my own political leanings and everything. But it, 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 that's another aspect of sort of taking a step back and saying, okay, maybe it's time to wrap this up, uh, because now uh, there's a lot of science still to talk about with this. Don't get me wrong, but it seems like as far as sort of the happenings related to this story, they've moved over into the political realm less so than the science. Um, and, and, and I mean, I, I just don't, I don't want to do politics and people don't want to hear me do politics. So well, uh, for the people who have been yearning for more banal of America classic, We'll be we'll be doing more paranormal stuff. We're gonna get back into the paranormal starting uh starting in June. So, you know, the next next episode will be our big tenth weekly installment. Uh and uh we'll declare victory over the coronavirus and <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> If I could figure out a way, if I had the poll, I'd say next week's episode would be brought to you by uh, Nothing Bun Cakes. But we'll oh, we'll, we'll celebrate please. we'll celebrate yeah. them as well. But that's that's kind of where I'm at, and I hope I think and I hope people understand uh, where I'm coming from. I mean, you and I have talked about it. It seems kind of like um, it makes sense. I I think just from a personal level, I recall 
when all this was, I just think back on when we first started this this, this mini series, and it was like it had a very a nine eleven y feel to it. Everything was where everyone was living in the now. We were living in the now. It was like this is insane. What is happening? This is crazy. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. And now it's like now everyone's just like shit. Well, the sky fell. So how are we gonna how are we gonna pick up the pieces? And and so to me, it's. I don't really think there's necessarily a need, maybe, for a banal of America slant on how we pick up the pieces. Um, but we'll 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 see. But that's kind of the state of the state of the situation right now. Yeah. Uh, okay. And I want to I want to say this now. I'll probably say this next week too. Uh, but I want to say this now. This program has been built on some incredible people over the last shit. Got to be 15 years now, uh, been all of America, and and uh, you know we've lost some real titans. Uh, I was thinking about Stan Friedman this week, uh, who passed away a year ago uh, Wednesday, so it was the anniversary of his death. And I just want to say uh, that I cannot thank you enough, Tyler, for being a part of this this uh, this mini series in the pantheon of banal of america uh, i mean you're you're now one of the titans you're 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 a, a serious significant part of the legacy of this program uh, i could not have done this without you and i, I want to thank you now and i'm going to thank you next week for for dedicating uh your friday nights to doing this this crazy show uh, with me and and informing the uh, the, the banal of america listeners and trying to trying to get everybody through this crisis as best they could so uh you know if there's a banal of america hall of fame you're in it, brother. You're definitely in it. Well, you know, I, I just say thanks for asking me, Tim, because it's always fun to talk to you. And so I've had a great time. Uh, the other shows that we did way back when, you know, we sat there, what did we talk, three hours one night? And that was just crazy. But yeah. always fun, always interesting. And, you know, that's, yeah. I think that's part of why somehow you have a, a rapport and chemistry with people and they – they enjoy being on the show and they want to be on the show. And that's why you had all the, the people who came on. So you're done Absolutely, good. yeah. Done we're going to – thanks, man. I appreciate it. We're going we're gonna to do it again. We're going to uh, – I was joking with Tyler before the show. Uh, I still owe him that 23 and me. So <laughs> if you thought if you thought the banal, if you thought the banal of America coronavirus special report was something, wait till, wait till you get a load of uh, banal of America origins. That's gonna be. Uh, that's gonna be. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna need maybe yeah. need more than three hours for that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're gonna find out stuff you don't want to know. So uh, go ahead. <laughs> I know. Make I know. my day. <laughs> so so that's it. If you're just if you're in the chat and you just got in now, uh, tonight's the penultimate weekly coronavirus show. Uh, in uh, next week, we're going to wrap it up, and then starting in June, we're going to go open all of America Classic, and we're going to start doing the paranormal stuff again. So with all that said, the first 10 minutes we've wasted on in-house notes. Let's, uh, oh, my Alexa's getting fired up. Uh-oh. Oh, do you, <laughs> this is not, this shouldn't be funny, but I find it funny. Watch, Tyler, watch this. Alexa. Oh, now, oh, she can't get on the internet. All right, forget it, so. You can ask. I'll just. I'll hold on to it later. <laughs> I discovered something being an ass, which is sometimes the best way. The best way to oh, discover no. things. 
Yes. Well, being an ass, I discovered something funny. Um, so let's uh, let, let's talk numbers here as we do at the start of these uh, coronavirus wrap-ups. Again, it's not a good week. I think uh, you know it's. Uh, I mean, it's been the same uh, week after week after week here on the show. Um, you know, we're approaching something of a milestone here in America. We'll probably cross it tomorrow. We're at 1.48 million cases uh, here in the United States, so we'll almost definitely get to 1.5 million cases uh, in America uh, next uh, next week. And uh, we probably won't get to 100,000 deaths by next week, but we're at 88,507, and they're saying probably by June 1st. So uh, it's, it, you know, I just... I'm aghast at all this. I really am. Um, I'm kind of like heartbroken and disheartened uh, about all this. It's just so, uh, it's just hard to believe, man. It really is just so hard to believe, um, especially after all these years of seeing these stories. You know, it was like, oh, it's the Zika virus is going to get us, or it's like SARS is going to be the one, or or, uh, the bird flu, or the swine flu. And um, it was like year after year after year. I think that's partially why maybe this caught a lot of people so badly by surprise. Uh, because it, it was just one thing after another, these these proposed pandemics that never ended up being this big threat. And now here we are. Uh, this one came along and just walloped us right uh, between the eyes. Yeah, you're, I think you've got something there, Tim, that uh, we've been crying wolf for a long time. I would say um, with legitimate reason. But, yeah, a lot of these things, uh, like the great comets that are always going to show up and then they fizzle out, uh, people do get jaded. You know, they get, do get, oh, yeah, I've heard this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, you're on to something. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is, in terms of, of the history, we've actually um, been in one way uh, fortunate uh, that some damage wasn't, uh, even worse, and it's been pretty horrific. The the great pandemic of the last part of the 20th century and first part of the 21st century is HIV. And that right. thing was rampant in the blood supply for years, along with hepatitis C. We were, we were very fortunate uh, that we had as few people killed by it, and it's still raging. It's, it's not controlled. It's not cured. Uh, we know how to defeat it. We know how to break the chain. I think you're right that we are now, this is the now normal. And so just like we know how to avoid HIV and how to keep it out of the blood supply, that's where we're coming to grips with the coronavirus. This is what you do. This is how you avoid it. This is how you evade it. And uh, yeah. we have some solid strategies. So it's not like we're helpless, but uh, we've, we've been in some ways lucky and unlucky at the same time. But, uh, oh, we've, we've dodged some bullets man, the prions, the mad cow disease leaping into human beings. Whoa, geez, a little bit of bad luck either way. That could have been horrific. Uh, and who knows, maybe in the next 20 years we'll find out it is still incubating. There's debate about how bad that will be and how threatened the blood supply in some parts of the world is by uh, prions that could be cooking us. So, you know, it's, uh, in a way, it's business as usual. Uh, if you consider having to uh, evade death, 
as uh, yeah. business as usual. But we we've done it before, and I think you're right. We've we've seen these things before, and we'll just uh, motor on. Yeah, yeah. It's very strange. It's still uh, still very surreal. Um, we talked a lot about the mask thing last week. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah. I don't know if I said this on the show. I know I've said this to other people. Um, it's just it's just really weird, the timetable of things. Like I said, I, I'm very sort of, I guess because I kind of made the call today that we were going to get head to the finish line on this. I kind of, uh, I kind of um, thought think to myself, uh, I was looking back on things, just that the, we had no idea sort of the timetable of all this. And uh, I said to you before we started the show, I thought we were going to – I thought this was going to be like a six-week lark. I thought we were going to be out of this. <laughs> I guess maybe maybe I took the president at his word. Maybe I said uh, – maybe I was like, oh, it'll just miraculously disappear by the end of April once the, <laughs> once the weather gets warm. So I guess wishful thinking applies to all of us. Um, so to me – and now we're getting into – we're at mid-March. Here it is, March fifteenth, and and they're still they're canceling shit way out now. Well, a good example, I guess, in a sense of how the timetable is so askew is I remember when things were getting canceled in April. Uh, the people from Roswell, or by paranormal buffs in the audience, they were saying, "Oh no, no, don't worry about it. We're not going to cancel the Roswell festival. That's in July." So these things that are getting canceled in. April, that's totally understandable. We'll, we'll be we'll be around in July. Don't worry about that. And uh, like last week or something, they canceled the the Roswell Festival. Uh, I don't think there'll be a, a major paranormal gathering this year. Honestly, I'd be very surprised. And I've said to people, as I said, I, I lost my train of thought originally, but I don't know if I said this on the show or if I said this. I know I've said it to people in private, but it's like, get ready, folks. You're <laughs> You're going to be seeing Santas with masks, man. We're going to have a coronavirus Christmas. We're not going to be out of this by the holidays, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, it's looking that way. It's definitely looking that way. Uh, it's, uh, it, well, you can already see that um, scientific conventions and whatnot are already talking about uh, we're not going to use Zoom necessarily. There may be a lot more uh, WebEx remote learning uh, and remote uh, meetings than we ever would have liked you know, because half of the fun of the of having the Roswell meeting is to get there and interact with people, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, you can you can't quite get the the same feel. But I think you're right. We now remember uh, we've had plenty of fun criticizing uh, people for saying things that didn't hold up. But at the outset, lots of people were saying we might have a parallel to the SARS outbreak of 2002, 2003 where the warm weather, it did seem to help us, you know. Now, yeah, SARS yeah. is a different beast. We could corner it easier. Uh, you know, with flu, certainly we see a seasonal downturn. And so, you know, there was, it, it's hopeful, but we were, we were hoping. And unfortunately, there's so many susceptibles, it looks like it's going to burn through at some level and then maybe speed up. Um, but this is the, the thing we have to keep in mind is that every week we learn something new about this thing. And there, there have been plenty of errors made. You know, plenty of, of really competent uh, technical people have, have said things that have not come to pass. And that's just the way it's going to be. 
Um, if you remember, we were really worried about ventilators. And then I think we mentioned on the, one of the last shows that the real limiting factor quickly became the ability to do dialysis and, and not so much the, the, uh, the ventilation. So uh, live and learn, live and learn. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, as we talked about before, the fog of war uh, at the time, everybody was kind of scrambling, trying to figure out what the hell was going on. And, uh, you know, I think maybe we're we're coming down off the cusp of this first wave, it seems, maybe. But yeah. it's – what's that? No, I think you're right. And, and uh, what's going to be interesting is we're also now beginning to release – uh, some areas from the, the stay-at-home uh, orders, and then we'll have to be uh, vigilant to see, you know, if it just leaps back or if, it, if we're lucky and it stays low, we get some time, and we can rearm. But uh, that's what be, would be my suggestion is any time that we have uh, where we're a little bit spared from the, the onslaught, we need to get ready for the, the possibility of the next onslaught. And I, I trust that our leaders are doing that. I hope, but at the very least, the state leaders will. It's uh, particularly disheartening here. I think it's just Massachusetts and Connecticut that haven't started any open-up process yet. We're the only two states left. So Is that right? But okay. hey, wow. Yeah, yeah, we're the only two states left. They're going to announce the plans for Massachusetts reopen on Monday, which leads me to believe they're probably going to extend it from, you know, they're probably going to say June 1st. We we do this. So they're going to by Monday. I think on Monday they're going to say, say that it's not going to that it's not going to take into effect uh, until until the beginning of June. But uh, I mean, I'm not losing my mind. I'm not losing my mind here. Uh, I'll I'll survive the the remaining thing. And uh, to talk a little bit more about sort of how we were saying, it's like you adapt to this crazy life. Again, I'm getting all nostalgic from from. Uh, heading towards the end of the show, it's, you know, when we talked at the beginning of the program, it was very, I was seriously hunkered down. I mean, I didn't leave the house for more than maybe 10 minutes between, what, March 13th and maybe, maybe like two or three weeks ago. And now it's yeah. just, you have to, you have to, you have to function. You have to be, a, you have to leave the house. You have to, uh, you you have to you can't live inside forever. I I understand where people are coming from when they start to get agitated about that. Believe me. I mean, I need a haircut, man. I I feel I feel the I feel I feel, I feel these people's pain. But I'm not going to like grab a gun and run out of the street and be like, "I need a fucking haircut." It's like it's just annoying. <laughs> just annoying, that's all. So yeah, but, yeah, there's lots yeah. of things though. But I understand that you can you can only stay in the bunker for so long. Uh, most of us do run out of food, except for the really hardcore preppers. I'm sure that uh, many people have had the same experience that they were inside for a while and then decided they they had to get food or have it delivered at least. It's uh, and again, I think you're right that that we can adapt. And so what was initially shocking. Uh, becomes uh, something that okay, yeah, that's that's Tuesday, you know. Instead of oh my God, yeah. this is it. Uh, people are adaptable. It's nothing else. So, do you ever ever read the history of uh, World War II and and some of the things that went on, um, like the siege of Leningrad? I forget how many days they were under siege by the German forces. 
And they yeah. used to mark the streets. The people would still have to get out and they still have to, to go around and they, they mark the streets and they, and they would say, this side, walk on this side. And it's because the Germans were shelling and the, and the direction was that you were kind of shielded on one side of the street and not the other. And so as, as the <laughs> situations would change, they would remark that. But that was what these people put up with for their morning commute or, you know, they're going out to get water or, or towards the end, they're looking for dead things to eat, you know, and trees to cut down to burn. Uh, yeah. But they held on all that time. They held on. It's just unbelievable what people can do. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've only left the house to get food, but there's nowhere else to go. It's not like uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't go anywhere if I wanted to. That's the that's the downside of it all. Um, yeah. So, but we'll see what happens. I think, personally, I think it'll be hard to gauge necessarily this fallout from the reopen. We've talked about this in the past, where just because they open all this shit doesn't mean everyone's going to go. Like, if they, get, if, they yeah. if they reopened Massachusetts on Monday... I would probably still kind of hang inside till July 4th just to – because if anything, everything's going to be slammed. So if you're, if you're dying to go out and grab a beer, uh, the first day the place is open is probably the worst day to go because everybody in town is going to be there. If you wait maybe a couple weeks and the novelty's off and all the other places are open, then you're going to be a little more uh, safe, I think. But could be. We'll see. I mean, like could they be. showed. I don't know if you saw the the in Wisconsin. They ordered them yeah, to open up everything. <laughs> Madness. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they slammed like the sports bars and shit. And the sports bars were like packed. And it's like, first of all, is there only one sp- sports bar <laughs> in fucking Wisconsin? <laughs> like, can't you people go someplace else? Can't you spread out a little more? But. I don't. I don't want to be in that mess of people. Well, no, and and you know, I, it it could have some consequences. But uh, one of the things that that I absolutely agree with is they may open up, but a lot of people are just not quite sure yet. Right. And uh, one of the things that that I worry about at our school is, uh, in particular, our dental program where we have people that, that come in from the outside community who need dental work and, and are willing to let students work on them. And mm-hmm. I think no matter what goes on here, uh, you know, if uh, we open up and nobody comes, uh, the students, boy, I, I don't know how we get through this. Uh, because yeah. they, with dentistry, it's a little bit different. When, the, when they're done with their program, they are licensed surgeons. They have gone through basically their residency, their practical training, oh, wow. all that during the course of their four years. So, yeah, they, they have a license. They can go out and uh, start working. Uh, a lot of the, the medical students will go through a residency program where they'll get a lot more. Uh, but the, the dental program is highly specialized, and they, they start right away with uh, simulations, and they're in the clinics uh, pretty quickly. Uh, you know, I mean, with maybe not actually working on patients, but watching, helping, and then they're they're getting right in there. Yeah. So we we really do need the community to come and support us. And the, the question in my mind is, will people be willing? 
you know, are they are they going to be so fearful that that dentists will go out of business? And we we just don't know. Uh, so we could we we just have to sort of wait and see, you know, and try to do our best. There are some recommendations that uh, have been made to how to operate a dental clinic as safely as possible, but uh, will the people accept that? And and again, it's the big unknown. Yeah. And that's that's what keeps us up awake at night. I can imagine. Now we got a dispatch from Australia here displaying the power of Banal America. Uh Sarah or Sasquara, I love that name. Uh she's down in Australia. <laughs> long time, long time Banal America listener. Uh she says, uh our restaurants are open for ten people if they have four square meters each and stay four uh stay six feet away from each other and bars can only serve alcohol with a meal. Uh same numbers. Uh, I don't know what four square meters is, so. <laughs> I guess well, that, the restaurant of, has to have four four square meters, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, that's not, I mean, that, that's that's probably the normal social distancing, six feet apart would, would yeah. uh, probably get you. That would be your volume, your allowed volume. So, you know, she's coming back in time, right? She's a day ahead of us. I know. Yeah, she's yeah. ahead of us in Australia. So, I love Australia. I've always wanted to go there. It kind of breaks my heart this whole thing too, because I had like the best year of my life traveling last year. I went to so many places, and it wasn't even wasn't like I wasn't like it wasn't exotic. I wasn't like a rock star. I didn't go to like forty places. I just went to like I think I went on like six trips, which for me was like a career highlight. Uh, and this year I'm not going to go anywhere. So, and and it's like, I don't even know when I had planned a trip to Ireland. I was going to go to Ireland. Uh, I would be, I would be planning, I would be getting ready to leave for Ireland, like right about now uh, for some time in the next few weeks, but that never came to fruition. So, and it's like, I don't even know when that may even happen because some of these places, my understanding, like if I wanted to fly to Ireland tomorrow, uh, I don't even know if they let me in, but even if they did, I think you got to stay in like a two week quarantine I know that's for a lot of places. You've got to be in quarantine for two weeks before they let you out and into the country. So especially yeah. talk about – I love America, folks, but talk about what a, what, a, what a terrible place we're in right now. We're, we're, we're like the bastard child of the world. They don't, they, don't want, <laughs> they don't want some grubby-ass American coming from Boston or Pittsburgh or any of or Poughkeepsie. Or, or or Tempe, they don't want any of us coming to fucking Ireland or Australia or any other foreign country. <laughs> They're like, look at dude, stay in your shitty, diseased country and, <laughs> and fucking don't bring it here. Thank you very much. So oh, I can, we don't I can fucking why, we don't need a wall, dude. Nobody wants to come here, and they won't let us leave. <laughs> Yes, we're going to reenact Escape from New York. Um, Jesus there, there's one thing, one thing you got to keep in mind is don't even think about going to Hawaii. They, they pretty much rolled back the welcome wagon and said, uh-uh, stay away, everybody. We, we don't really? want you. Yeah, they've had a number of instances where they've told people, yes, okay, um, and they have to register at the hotel, and you need to self-quarantine for two weeks, and they've caught people uh, violating 
the, the agreements or the rules. And I think some they they forced to leave the island summarily, hopefully on a plane. Uh, but uh, yeah, I know. I talked to Vaney about this. You know, this is this is really cruel. But uh, they're yeah. and so they they have a, a relatively low number of cases, and uh, they want to keep it down to a manageable, traceable level. That's that's their goal. And yeah. uh, but anyway, yeah, your point is well taken. Uh, we we won't know for a while. You just have to keep in mind that at some point we will get back to normal, and, and so you know we will be able to travel or whatever. Uh, we can't yeah. think of where we are now as as forever because we'll be. And, and we will, I think we, we mentioned this before, we will find ways to mitigate the infection, to keep it so that the death toll is, is as good as we can get it. I mean, there'll be monoclonal antibodies. There, we have hyperimmune serum that I don't know if you saw in the news. They're talking about that's actually working uh, to save people. And eventually we'll get a vaccine. I, I don't know that it'll be on the time scale of uh, Project Warp or Warp Speed. I can't remember what they were calling it. I don't yeah, know that yeah. it will happen. Let's hope it can. Let's hope it can. But eventually, They have some good results. Do you see their Oxford results? Yes, yes. Yeah, those are good. For folks who haven't heard fun. of this, uh, they gave the vaccine to, like, a bunch of monkeys, and uh, I think initially 10 out of 28 or something um, – Something like initially a small level were immune to coronavirus after like a couple of weeks, um, and then after like uh, four weeks, all of the monkeys were were immune. So it's a it's a promising. The guy said that you know this is exact. This is precisely the results we would want to see. So yes, yes. Uh, think, have uh, faith. You know. Also, the importance of this is they were able to challenge the this. This was a real infection. And so the you know the the monkeys were um, encountering basically the virus, the, the real virus, because a lot of times yeah. they, they have analogs. They, there's a, a test called plaque reduction neutralization, and that that gives you a pretty good idea that what you're doing is going to work. But there's nothing like this test. This is about as close to doing it in an actual person as you can get. Uh, and we assume that everything works fairly closely. Sometimes we're disappointed. But um, one of the things that may happen, I don't know if it will, is that they may actually get people to volunteer to be exposed to the real virus, to test yeah, the that vaccine. Was a, that's a question that came up that I wanted to ask you about, because it never occurred to me how they figure this out. I'm going to bring this down to a street-level terms so people can enjoy, enjoy my enjoy my textbook banal interpretation of this but so if they're testing a vaccine right and they shoot you with the needle then they what do they bring you back like in a month and then just spray you with fucking coronavirus like that seems kind of dangerous how do they test this on people because i don't know if I'd, i'd be like yeah sure i'll test it and then they give me all right come back in a month then you come back in a month and they're like just stand here for a minute and they spray you with a fucking spray bottle full of covid i wouldn't want to i'd be like i'm out dude i'm out (laughs) You better fucking hope this thing works. Shit. (laughs) I'm I'm literally soaked in the coronavirus. Thank you very much, Doc. How how do they test these vaccines on people? They don't do that, right, I hope. They said they did it to the monkeys, uh, but I don't think they do it to people. They did uh, say that. They said they they, they subjected them to an intense level of coronavirus. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and so you can – yeah, there are things you can get away with. 
uh, in the laboratory. But uh, what is often done is uh, a prospective study where we go ahead and vaccinate uh, pe- people in the area where the disease is still circulating and then come back later and see how many of them got it and didn't get it. Was it significantly different in the control group as opposed to the inoculated group? Uh, I think we mentioned uh, maybe last week or the week before that in China, in uh, Wuhan, for example, the level was so low they couldn't adequately test. Same problem with the Ebola situation. As the rates began to drop, it was hard to really see clearly that the vaccine worked. But one one thing they can do is there's some analog tests, uh, the plaque reduction thing. That's in, yeah. in basically tissue culture. And we can see that, yeah, we go after the receptor. It has a problem getting into these cells. Therefore, we infer that this could be uh, antibodies that are protective. But the real test of the sauce is, is the challenge. And, and that is something that is going to happen basically um, when a person gets exposed. We can, with volunteers, we could move that up. But you'd have to be very careful about uh, informed consent. And so one of the things that we have with, with this particular virus is it's not like getting the flu. We don't have a good way to bring you back if you get really ill. Yeah. So what they would do, I think, now I'm just I'm guessing and putting words in people's mouths, but I think what they would do is have folks that, that understood what the risks were have banked a bunch of the, uh, call it convalescent serum, from people who have mm-hmm. survived that would be their fallback if somebody got really seriously ill and then go ahead and say, all right, now we're going to give you X number of viruses. And they'll, they'll put a, a dose into the person's nose, something they think approximates what you might be exposed to, and then you stand back. And so you could do that ethically. You would have um, the person there where they're watched where you tell them, look, if you get a fever or whatever, you have to tell us right away. And then they they prepare. So this would be a foreseeable adverse event that the vaccine didn't protect, didn't work, and you have to bring the person back. But there's still a risk. I'm not going to kid you. They may, that may actually happen. They may seek, uh, probably be uh, young, healthy volunteers uh, that they think are going to respond to the vaccine. They'll test them first. They'll be sure that they're getting antibody titers, you know, that it looks like, oh, yeah, it's up there. We think this is in a realm where it works, but that's still guesswork. And then they'll challenge them. And that'll, that'll be probably um, something that would move this up ahead by months. Uh, so I, I think that could be done. I have to let the ethicists weigh in on this. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's, but it's a challenge. And, and you can see there are, there are some worries here. We, we don't want to harm anybody in the testing. And, again, our knowledge is very imperfect. Uh, one of the things that you have to keep in mind, this, this is the informed consent part. You know, we could make an error. If you've yeah. got a person who's fully immune to normal levels, like somebody coughs, you breathe it in, you get infected, that's one thing. Now, Tim, Dr. Tim, what's your challenge dose going to be? How many viruses are you going to put in that person? You're going to shoot them right up their nose. And let me tell you, you give them too many, you could overwhelm their immunity, and they'll get sick right there before, you know, right in front of your eyes almost. So you have to balance this. Yeah, I mean, this, this, is, this is serious business. 
and there's a lot of ways it can go wrong. Uh, and so we don't know, like, should the, how much of the antigen do we give if we're giving a standard vaccine to get a good response in this person? Is one dose sufficient? Do we need two? Do we need an adjuvant? Yeah. How much time in between? These are all the variables that will drive you mad when you're trying to make sure you don't hurt somebody, kill somebody yeah. in the yeah. testing phase. So there's so many ways this could fall off the rails. I think it can be done. I think it will will be possible to do it in a way where the, we could probably uh, not subject the person to uh, high probability of death, provided we agree that convalescent serum is protective. But this gets hairy, you know. And you can imagine, uh, you're going to induce somebody to, to follow your protocol, and then think about the idea that, but what if I'm wrong? What if I make an error and this, this young man dies or this young woman dies because of it? This, this is where the, the, it weighs heavily on these scientists. Trust me, it weighs heavily on them. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was thinking about that, actually. I think all this, all this coronavirus stuff got me looking into vaccines and everything. And it was Jonas Salk was the one who, uh, Salk was the one who did the, the uh, smallpox? Polio. Well, uh, all right, I'm thinking about the guy who injected his neighbor, well, the guy who invented oh. vaccines. Who was the guy? Who was the guy that invented <laughs> vaccines? Edward Jenner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. He got it from like the ladies milking the cows. They they couldn't get yes. whatever it was. I thought it wasn't smallpox then. It was. Uh, they called it cowpox, and it, the virus is known as vaccinia. The smallpox virus is different. It's known as variola. And so uh, a lot of people had known before Jenner that milkmaids uh, or people that got uh, cowpox didn't tend to be afflicted by the uh, smallpox when the disease came around. And so for years, there were actually two forms, two types of of, uh, disease, smallpox known as major and minor. And they had a practice called variolation, which was actually done on Jenner when he was a kid and almost killed him. But you tried to give them the minor disease to prevent them getting the major lethal disease later. But he kind of yeah. put this all together. Very, he was very good technically at what he did. He recognized uh, the uh, cowpox, and he knew how to keep those samples clean or whatnot. He actually tested it first on his son, Ed Jenner Jr. And, oh, really? And, and okay. he challenged. Yeah. And how did he prove that it worked? He challenged him with you... real smallpox. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. And like two weeks later, he said, hey, EJ, come here. And, uh, yeah, see, because I'm reading but, here. Uh, uh, yeah, that's kind of what I got down to. Yeah, where it says just it says uh, on May 14, 1796, Jenner tested his hypothesis by inoculating James Phipps, an eight-year-old yeah. boy who was the son of his gardener. So it's like, how? Yeah. The, like, I want to know more. Yeah. Somebody must have written about this somewhere. I want. I want to know who there's the fuck. A, who the fuck decided? Why did this gardener like? He's just like, oh, I guess, sure. Try it. Try it on my boy, James. Like, who the yeah. fuck? That's so crazy. <laughs> the, um, there's a book called The Virus Hunters. And uh, in the, a chapter in that book is called The Man Who Listened to the Milkmaid. And uh, um, it's the story of, of Jenner's sort of recognition, discovery, and method. But, um, yeah, well, Tim, you know, before he did the public demonstration on James Phipps, he had tested it. Okay, on his kid. Uh, that makes sense, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it's it's pretty hairy. So his um, 
as I understand it, Jen, Jenner's uh, mentor as a physician, uh, a natural physician, was John Hunter. And I think that the eminent Dr. Hunter was interested in proving um, interested in syphilis or gonorrhea. There was an argument about which, which one was, I think, gonorrhea. And so he actually, uh, the story is, and I, I don't know if this is 100% verified, gave himself gonorrhea to prove oh, that God. it was transmissible. Yeah, and uh, he managed that, but he also gave himself syphilis, which is uh, infinitely worse because that's not – a gonorrhea infection, as horrible as it can be, a symptomatic infection will resolve, although sometimes with a lot of damage. Uh, syphilis a lot of times does not. So uh, anyway, uh, sort of wow. action-oriented. I, I think Hunter's uh, admonishment to his students was don't think, do. And so yeah. Jenner obviously internalized that one. Um, yeah, it's pretty wild. Now, our man in Florida, Jim Vujovic, says the gyms are opening on Monday, and uh, his operatives, which I hope isn't him, but he says his operatives tell him that uh, the bars in Clearwater were shoulder-to-shoulder. So, again, well, people need to just chill out just because the bars are <laughs> – Jesus Christ. You know, I guess it's uh, – it's all these young people, Tyler. It's all these young people. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And, you know, I guess if we think, like, who the, the average victim of lethality is, it, it tends to be older. But this disease agent is unpredictable. And we've seen so many sad stories where where young, healthy people have been afflicted badly. I uh, hope yeah. it works out okay for them, you know. But uh, everybody make good choices, you know. Now, make we sure talked about gotta this. you got to get that. Yeah, God. No, if you got to be at that bar, make sure it was worth it. <laughs> um, yeah, Stuart says he's in the UK and people are getting itchy after six weeks of lockdown. So we got a listener in the UK, we got someone in Australia, we got Copley in uh, San Francisco area, and we got Jim Vujovic down in Florida. So we're covering, we're covering quite a quite a swath here on the map tonight on the uh, coronavirus special report. Um, you're all the way across the world, man. I know. We got uh we got we got yeah, we're we're coast to coast as one might say. Um the interesting well and Stewart says this is kind of in keeping with uh with what we got going on here in America. He says more and more people are coming out and the police are finding it hard to enforce the rules now. That's that that's we it's interesting. Uh, someday I'll look back and listen to these shows again and, and enjoy sort of reliving the experience as an observer instead of as a participant. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, we're seeing sort of the end result of the debate we were talking about a few weeks ago. It seems like a lot of it is that that the the whole idea of erring on the side of caution, while they still are advising people to be cautious. It seems like any sort of, save for, say, Massachusetts, which hasn't opened up yet, for most places, the opening up has is, is now underway. And yes. it seems like maybe if they had their druthers, a lot of these places would have liked to be waiting as long as Massachusetts. Uh, but they kind of had their hand forced because the people just couldn't sustain themselves in, uh, under lockdown any longer. So I think yeah, that's kind of what yeah. we have going on here in America now. 
and, and you know, different areas have, I think, accepted the lockdown more or less, uh, I guess, uh, actively than others. Uh, we were kind of slow here in Arizona, but the governor did eventually sort of uh, move ahead to uh, to to bring the the slowdown. But we're we're lifted today. I think is the, everything is is coming up starting today. Uh, we've already had a few things, but uh, you know, one thing I assume one at one point you'll write something about this. Am I correct? Your your COVID memoirs. You're thinking along those lines. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe what, someday. What you want to do? Yeah, when I eventually write my autobiography, there'll be a chapter on the COVID, the COVID years or the COVID weeks or okay. you know the, the COVID crisis. You might want to COVID crisis. You might want to go ahead and and grab some of these screenshots or whatever and say, yeah, this this is kind of what we were up against. You know uh, that that uh, some people were really anxious to get out and others because at that point, in, in retrospect, you'll be able to know how that really worked. Because one of the things that might happen in five years is that there will be a new narrative that describes the whole story. And it's kind of funny yeah. how these work. And uh, having lived through Vietnam, we went through a couple of different narratives there over the, the years. And uh, um, if you talk to kids today, they, they don't even remember it. Uh, and so what we might see is uh, people who are incredulous that these things happen, that what they really did that, they really – you know, they uh, they thought that with the science, for example, uh, you know, yeah. they thought it was just going to go away. And yeah, heck, yes, we did. We were hoping anyway. But uh, yeah, happened once before, you know, but a lot of things that I think people will, will just simply not quite really believe when when we look at it, look backwards with the passage of time. Well, we got a couple of insights here from the chat room. Jim Vujovic says uh, still down in Florida, uh, he's telling us that. Uh, He knows of some restaurants that opened at 25% capacity and had literally not one customer all day. This is the situation. This is the the tenuous – this is kind of the point that I think that we were trying to get across to, 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 I think, uh, to the hardcore open it up. It's like you can can force everything open tomorrow, dude, but nobody's going to show up. We need to know – we need to know for sure that things are cool. So, yeah. And it ties back to that conspiracy idea, Jim, that we talked about on the show a few weeks ago. We're now look at who's on the hook. The fucking restaurants, right? They're on the hook because the government's going to be like, oh, we're not going to fucking bail you out, dude. You, had the, you, you were open. You had the chance to be open. And you couldn't, you, you know, you, you weren't like the sports bar, I guess. You couldn't, uh, you didn't sell out or whatever. So you didn't, you didn't have any customers, and now you, you can't pay the rent. You know, we can't forgive you for not paying the rent, considering you were open. So it's, uh, yeah, that's this is where we're going to see yeah. a second. People talk about the second wave of the virus, but I think we're going to see a second wave of economic destruction soon-ish. As uh, you know, they just announced like the retail numbers. They said retail's down like 16%, and that's I presume those numbers come from about a month ago or something. So, or maybe yeah. the end of the end of April. So it's like it's, yeah. we're going to see the economy, the economic numbers are going to look get worse. They're going to keep getting bad and shit because people are going to try to open and they're not going to be able to because people aren't going to want to come out. Or there'll there'll be uh, few enough people that come out that all of the restaurants that once used to thrive, there's just not enough in the ecosystem to keep them going. So yeah. uh, you know, you just you were talking about traveling. 
uh, and it'll be a while before people really feel comfortable uh, maybe flying again. It, it could be years. It, it could be years. This is the, the damage that just can't be undone, at least not overnight. I'm confident. Yeah, we'll it's a very good. No, you know, we'll get there eventually, but, geez, you know, people need to eat now. And so we're, we're trying, you know, we're trying, trying to come up with something. Yeah, it's very, yeah, it's very uh, the psyche, the psyche of, of the country, and I think a lot of the Western world is, uh, you know, uh, is on edge right now. So, yeah, you know, yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. Somebody suggested, uh, you know, it, would you know if it was if opening up was safe if uh, you know after a couple of weeks? That's that's sort of the rule of thumb, right? It's like, well, let's see how it goes for a couple of weeks, and if we see a huge spike. But even then, it's I'm getting more and more irritated with uh, the indecipherable nature of this disease. To be quite honest, tonight <laughs> on the news. There was a lot of shit about, okay, you know, you know, again, it's like to look back on this show. We're going to hear so many things we said that were either incredibly prescient and terrifying or, like, really wrong. But the Abbott super fast testing machine, now they're saying it's not that great. It's uh, only right, like, 50% of the time or something insane like that. So, again, it's like, yeah. if you think I'm taking a fucking vaccine, the first one they rushed to the market as part of Operation <laughs> Space Force Warp speed. I ain't fucking. I ain't taking any of that shit, dude. That's the. I'll go back on intense lockdown before I do that. Shit. But yeah, dude. I mean, look at now. now That's that's kind of the point I'm trying to make, though. It's like these. What they're saying? Okay, some people get tested. It comes back negative. So, but they're sure they have it, and they get tested again, and then it says they have it. It's like, oh my god, this is just such a fucking nightmare, dude. Yes. Now, one thing that, that you have to keep in mind is all of these tests have limitations in places where they're useful and places where they're not so useful. It's not uncommon for the rapid test in particular to be uh, basically checked out by the manufacturers. And they will come up with a, a 99% specificity, 99% sensitivity. But when they do that, they're oftentimes testing with contrived, pure samples, not quite what they're going to get in the field. So you almost yeah. never get, almost never get the published level of sensitivity. Now, the workaround for the false negative would be sequential testing, and that would be get a negative, test it again. Uh, and if you get a positive and you think that uh, probably the sensitivity is good, you can go ahead and act on that. Much depends on what the consequences of the, the call would be. You know, if it's a diagnosis, send you home, say no problem, and you get everybody infected, obviously then you're going to do a sequential test and, and uh, maybe even a different type of test if you can. We do yeah. this with HIV. We have uh, the person comes through and they have a relatively uh, insensitive quick test uh, that can pick them up under some circumstances uh, if that turns up positive, then they go ahead and do a more exacting definitive test, also more expensive and time-consuming, to make the formal yeah. diagnosis of HIV positive. But those tests, every one of them, 
that relies on antibodies that are often used against HIV will fail if the person comes in too soon. And so with these other tests, there's a window. There's, there's a window that you can hit. And if you're lucky, you get the antigen and you get them. And if you're not, you can, you can be totally misled. We just have to be cognizant of the fact that none of these things are perfect. We cannot think that we're going to get one answer and that is it. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that when they, they test the people in the White House, they do two, maybe three iterations of the test right then and there. And yeah. they say, okay, yeah, three out of three, probably okay. Uh, one hit, trouble. So um, there's a general, you know, I mean, this is just how it is. These rapid tests in particular, uh, they, have, they have limitations. Yeah, well, they said that on the news tonight. They're, that's what got me into this topic. Um, they said uh, they're just starting to figure out that issue of the window, um, where it's like if they test people at within like four days, I think it was something like that, uh, yeah. it's not as good as if they get them at like six days, where it's like it picks it up more readily at like six days, right when they start showing the symptoms. Uh, yes. So it, the whole thing with the asymptomatic yeah. thing, that's even more troubling. But it really we'll, is. Uh, we'll see. Again, it's the indecipherable nature of this that drives me nuts. Jim Vujovic wants to know if it's true that vaccine immunity is less robust and not as long-lasting as immunity from a natural exposure. You know, it, it almost always is. And the, the reason I say that is uh, because our history with, with the artificial vaccinations is long. And so with a lot of these things, uh, in, in particular, uh, this may freak you out, but some of the vaccines oh. actually don't prevent infection. They prevent the disease. Okay, so if you go back to the polio vaccine of salt, the inactivated polio vaccine, that was a shock. And it, it induces really, really good titers that will just kill the hell out of the virus in the bloodstream. But it won't stop you from being infected. And the, the virus often comes in. It's a GI system virus, and so people excrete it in the fecal matter. So we can have the vaccine or the virus circulating uh, basically through the environment. If it tries to travel through the bloodstream, boom, you got it. Okay. It's not going to paralyze. And so we, we are protected by virtue of the fact that the disease now is fairly well controlled here and with uh, early vaccination. But uh, strange but true, the, the vaccine has some limitations. If you think about, uh, I, I don't know if Jim had, um, did he get chickenpox vaccine as a kid or did he get chickenpox the natural way? But the chickenpox I bring up because that's a live attenuate. And those yeah. viruses are weakened, but the live attenuated vaccines are typically very powerful because they, uh, the virus grows in you, goes through a natural life cycle, and induces the body to fight them off. They're pretty good. But the chickenpox vaccine, the first one called Verivax, had an agonizing problem known as breakthrough. And what would happen is you vaccinate the kids two years later, come back with chickenpox, you know, as soon as yeah. they got exposed. So the workaround for breakthrough is to give two administrations of the vaccine. So one about age two, another one before they go into preschool or school, say age five. And that brings yeah. it down to a low level. But the controversy with the Verivax vaccine is that a lot of people believe, no, getting infected with chickenpox, the natural way is superior because you have lifelong immunity. That's right. actually wrong. 
Chicken pox doesn't come back as chicken pox. It comes back as shingles. Yeah. You don't yeah. have lifelong immunity. People don't understand that. They, they got a strange name because the diseases look so different. But, uh, so anyway, you don't have lifelong immunity, even with the natural infection. And that's the way a lot of the viruses work, is that you're good for a while, and it drops down, even with the natural viruses. Our vaccines, honestly, many times are pretty similar. They're solid for a while, just solid enough, you know, to get us through to where we need, uh, and we can be protected by herd immunity. So we count on having good compliance, and that, that sort of is the, the final uh, safety net for us. But that's, that's a good question, and um, it's one that we have to worry about clinically. Uh, in particular with uh, kids uh, who are going to undergo uh, chemotherapy or whatever. We want to be sure that we've got them as protected as they, they, we can before we start all those processes. But, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, the vaccines have limitations too. Uh, the ones we've given our animals really do. And, and we, those are just like just good enough to get them out there. You know, just get these pigs through the cycle, slaughter them, we're done. And so they're, they're called leaky. And uh, they yeah. actually infect each other a lot. Yeah, it's cool. Don't think about oh, it too much, okay? Yeah, just try not everything to. before you eat it, Tim. I always do. A good man. Yeah. Or even better, I have someone else cooking for me. So. <laughs> okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> a plan. <laughs> With all this talk of bunt cakes, I should try and do my own bunt cake. Maybe, uh... <laughs> maybe I will. Maybe I will. Not for next week, but maybe when we return for an update episode, I'll I'll roll out my bunt gig. Uh, Finale. <laughs> what yeah, scares you know what? me? That would... What's up? That might be the final strategy. Just threaten these people that, look, it, unless you want a competitor, you need to sponsor this program. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll be like, look, it. they got a wicked head start on me, though. i got to say this, though. Uh, in a testament to, I should have been, I should have been a preacher or something, or I should be in, I should be in sales, because I'm counting now. Let me see. We got Copley, Vujovic, Far, my buddy Aaron Gullius. Uh What's that? Four people. I think Jack Brewer. I'd have to double check with him, but I think Jack Brewer uh, have all indulged in the nothing bunt cakes since I brought it to the attention of uh, the world. So, Whoa. yeah. Yeah, Whoa. it's pretty good that's, if you really think about it. <laughs> I, I inspired five other people around the country to to uh, partake in nothing bunt cakes. Oh, no, no, no. It's more than that, Tim. It's Dr. Gullius, right? Am I correct? Uh, I don't think Aaron's a doctor. No, I think... I don't think so. He's a professor. He's a professor, but he's not a doctor. Okay. So then he can influence all of his students. So what you have is a cascade of customers that you are sort of cultivating for this company. Yes. Think about that. All right. So. Oh, and and Sasquara said she looked at in Australia for a nothing bunt cake. So see, I maybe they could (laughs) we could open one down there, but it's a cross. The world, thanks to you. <laughs> you know, They're I mean, if you guys could, so. if you could have only had that in the film with Go Rightly, you know, featured little Bontinis or something. If only That'll, you could go back and. Well, 
Yeah, I haven't mentioned this on the show, but folks, uh, yeah, the hill and the hole. Uh, let me see. Actually, this is a good halfway point. Good idea, Tyler. Uh, I'm putting more work on my plate. I'm putting more work on my plate. But uh, for folks who are unaware, I'm in a movie with Adam Go Rightly, and uh, uh, Adam actually taped a little uh, video. There's a video thing, an intro to the movie to like introduce people to the movie. So what I'm going to do now, not like right now live, but what I'm going to do on the MP3 is I'm going to play Adam's little one-minute account of uh, what this movie's all about, and uh, yeah, so people can can uh, can find out. Hi, this is Adam Gorightly, star of Stage and Screen, and I play Roger Person in the bright rectangle production of The Hill and the Hole, a film about high weirdness in the high desert. The Hill and the Hole is a madcap romp filled with fried dough trucks, Masonic temples gone south, and a town of tortured souls feeding themselves to the past. The film revolves around the misadventures of an archaeologist named Tom Digby who got more than he bargained for when a simple surveying assignment turned into a dance on the dark side. The Hill and the Hole is adapted from a Fritz Lieber short story of the same name and was filmed in late July and early August during the mystical dog days in various locales in New Mexico, Colorado, and Massachusetts. It could best be described as a paranormal thriller with a little Jim Jarmusch here and some twin peakishness there. But with all that being said, I think the film is unique unto itself, a mix of comedy, drama, high weirdness, and horror influenced to a certain degree by directors Ernst and Darman's interest in Fortiana. It was a blast making the film, and while in Massachusetts, I had the chance to hook up with my old pal Tim Benal, who plays the role of my fry cook assistant, Tiny. The movie also features a cast of young and talented actors. That includes Liam Kelly, Kristen Brody, Brant Adams, Chris Dunlap, Matthew O'Donnell, Ricardo Burgos, William McLean, and a cool and creepy film score by Drew O'Doherty. Burial mounds, Masonic death cults, giant astral deities demanding blood sacrifice, fried Mars bars. What do all of these things have in common? You are about to find out. And people can go to Vidi Space to see the movie, and they can also uh, just Google The Hill in the Hole. You should be able to find a way to watch it. I heard it's coming to Amazon soon, but I know it's on Vidi, uh, V-I-D-I, I believe is the, is the website. So how do you like that? I did a little on-the-fly nice. on uh, commercial. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Let me see. Yeah, it's uh, vidi.space is the website, so, yeah. And I'll put a little link in on shit, and I've been pushing it hard on social media, but, yeah, it was a lot of fun to do that movie, and um, it was cool. You haven't seen it yet, have you, Tyler? No, I was looking for it. Uh, I was looking on uh, Apple TV, and I couldn't find it. And I thought you said Yeah, that you got to go to... I looked at... Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll try the, the actual site then, because I couldn't find it. Uh, in whatever I had on my uh, my menu there at all, I, I spent some time looking. So I will eventually get it. 
Yeah, it's viddy.space is where people can find uh, the movie. So, and oh yeah, it says apps on Google Play, so, so you can get the you get the viddy space on the app. You get the you know it's like the Roku thing. Anyway, oh. back to uh, the coronavirus. What's really troubling me a lot in the last week is that uh, is this thing with the kids. That's really making yeah. me very concerned because all this talk of the second wave. It's like we're seeing this second, this this other thing. I don't even know what you know. It's not a second wave. It's a fucking shark that's coming, <laughs> that's coming across through the wave. Uh, a lot of kids, for people who aren't aware or are listening to this uh, down the line, a lot of kids are getting sick with uh, essentially what they call Kawasaki disease, right? Yes, it looks like it. it it's not it's not yeah. Kawasaki's disease, but it has some of the same manifestations. Oh, okay. So, uh, and that's the, the vascular bed attack we talked about, the rash, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and it can be pretty bad. And I kind of like my, – my blood pressure went up this week because uh, they asked the president about it, and he said, um, well, it's only a few cases. It's not a big deal. It's only a few cases. And I just about fell off my couch, and, and I did <laughs> yell at the TV, that's what you said the last time! <laughs> like it was like fucking deja vu. I was like, dude, he literally was like, it's only a few cases. It's nothing to worry about. It's just a few cases, and they'll be gone soon. Yeah. Like, no, dude, don't. You said that the last time, you fucking dick. Don't. Don't do this to us. So I hope well, I hope that he's right about that because it's it's there's all this talk. You know, it's funny. We talk about, oh, uh, should we open up again? Should we close? Do we stay, stay on lockdown? The next big debate, and – we're seeing it percolating now, and probably when Tyler and I come back to talk later on in the summer after next week's show, uh, it'll be really broiling. Is this is the school debate? And you you know you were yeah. you're you're a college teacher, so uh, you you would definitely uh, be able to speak to all this. But we're seeing it we're seeing it now in a lot of ways because I think that people have learned, organizations have learned that you can't even – you have to look like six weeks to two months ahead. And two months from now, people are going to really be starting – especially colleges are going to be starting to get back to school. So I know California has already canceled the fall semester at all their state schools. Uh, and we they, may see that cascade is, across the country. I think what they, they did is the Cal State system – is announcing that they're going to go distance learning. And I haven't heard anything about the University of California system itself. They're, uh, they're gigantic systems. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think one of them is already – Cal State has already said we're, we're going to do a distance learning format. And, uh, and I don't know what that means in terms of uh, residence for students, but I think it, it is literally going to mean the students stay home and, and don't congregate on campus. But yeah. that's, that's going to be difficult. You know, the thing about getting back to the uh, Kawasaki-like syndrome in children, right, right. what this really should remind us of is, first of all, what you're going to see now is more cases discovered. And the reason is, is because uh, there will be a higher index of suspicion that, uh, you know, these kids, are there, there is a thread, a common thread, and as people begin to note and are aware, they begin to see it. Uh, it's one of those things that uh, sometimes 
There's a lot of stuff right before your eyes that you don't quite connect, and then somebody makes the connection, and suddenly we realize, like, oh, my God, we're swimming in these cases. Lyme disease. Lyme disease came to light in the U.S. not because the clinicians had uh, put together the clues. It was uh, a woman who lived in Old Lyme, Connecticut, who called the public health authorities and said, hey, what are you doing with all these kids that have uh, juvenile arthritis? Isn't that odd? And they recognized that she was right. There's a cluster of what the heck. And then they slowly, but she was the impetus. Uh, You know, she changed history by that. So anyway, we'll see more. But I think the other thing to keep in mind is it tells us, it reminds us that this particular agent may not cause overt disease. Unfortunately, it does cause severe disease uh, in some children, but it's circulating through those kids. And when they begin to exchange this, they're not locked in a box overnight. They go home right. to their families, their parents, their grandparents, and they could end up being vehicles of infection, uh, at least at some rate. One of the ways to break an influenza epidemic is to actually uh, close down uh, preschools and schools and stop the, the circulation in kids who have never been infected with influenza, uh, tamp it down by keeping them home for a while. Uh, and I think yeah. in Taiwan and Hong Kong, they've been pretty successful at, at breaking the back of transmission by just that particular measure. So I think you're right. We're going to have a big battle. And it's not something that you necessarily want to do because you say, oh, there's, it's low risk. Yes. And at the same time, no. And this is the maddening part of medicine is that you can have two fundamentally different answers that are both correct at the same time. Yeah, you may not hurt a lot of kids, but you're not getting away free here. It's going it's to yeah, cause you Yeah, for all you know, all these sweat. kids in America could have been the ones who spread it all before we all, before all these people got sick. So who it, knows? They were all hanging around schools and shit. Um, it's possible. Well, that's, yeah. you're going to see that, I think. And I think with this coupled with the Kawasaki issue, uh, it's only going to heighten this debate. Because now, before it was like, well, kids, eat, kids are okay relatively, it seems, for the most part. So, we, so schools should be one of the things we can, we can really consider opening again. But now it's like, well, if little kids are getting sick with some weird offshoot of this disease. Now people are going to be like, well, hold, hold, slow down now. It's not... Let's yeah. not open the schools because it turns out uh, they do get some – it affects them in some other way. As I said before, the indecipherable nature of this disease is is maddening. Uh, it really who is, knew? and it's dangerous. When we, talk, when we started this back in March, who knew we'd be talking about Kawasaki disease coming up in kids uh, as a result of all this? It's like, what well, the fuck, I think man? Probably a lot of pediatricians would have said – you know, the only measure of an epidemic is not the death rate. And so we actually, the, the uh, medical people will talk about morbidity and mortality. And so, yeah, the mortality numbers at first were uh, good in that relatively few children under 18 seem to, to die. But now you recognize that there's a morbidity as, aspect to this problem as well. And it is yeah. not inconsequential, and, and we'll have to deal with it. I'll tell you where they're really going to hit the wall, in my opinion, is in places where they have a strong teacher's union, say New York, for example. And one of the right. questions will be, hey, if I'm over 60, 
and I'm still working and I get sick, then can I have, you know, the full medical benefit? Will you help me? Uh, could I have insurance or whatnot? And I think that the unions may be able to extract some sort of, of protections for uh, people yeah. who are working under risk or whatnot, uh, like uh, the hero pay for people who were working at, at some uh, chains, you know, with food delivery. Uh, and so I, I, it's just not even begun yet. I think you're right. We're just, boom, just about to begin that, and it will be a fascinating battle. Fascinating. Yeah, we're going to see it really uh, heat up uh, in the next few weeks uh, and months. Uh, we got somebody on the line. Let's bring them on. They're on a Skype thing, so we don't know who they are. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Uh, yes, I do, my friends. Uh, this is Mike. How are you today? I'm well, Mike. How are you? Where are you calling from? Uh, from Asia. Where in Asia? Uh, Singapore. Singapore. You're from Singapore. Wow. wow. Yes. What can you tell us about the situation in Singapore, Mike? Yeah, the uh, situation in Singapore, you know, first uh, we came, you know, to, uh, we did pretty good. Uh, and um, later, we put our guards down. Mike? Tyler, are you there? Oh, I think he moved. Yeah, I think he moved his microphone. I can just barely hear him. Mike, we can't hear you, dude. Okay, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on one second. There we uh, go. All right. Can you hear me good? No. Yes. I, like, I can hear you well. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, because of sometimes it's long distance, it, it takes a, a little bit of time. Uh, no delay. worries. No worries. Thank you yeah. for laughing at that, Tyler. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, we put our guards down. We were doing good. But then, you know, as a result, we became, you know, infected uh, again. Uh, more uh, people. So right now we have 19,622 cases, 1,106 stable hospitalized, oh hospital, uh, critical 18, and in isolation is almost 18,500, and discharge wow. completely 7,300, and total deaths so far 21. So Oh, wow. Still, we are doing much better than any other places. But go ahead. Please. Yes. Wow. All right. Are you under like a lockdown? Yes, of course. Uh, but the question is, we don't have fast about putting masks on. We don't have any problem putting gloves on. Yeah. We don't, yeah. uh, we don't divide the country like that. Because we right. are all seeing, uh, live here, whether uh, as a, uh, immigrants or, or uh, you know, many Americans live here, like me, myself. But the question is, again, you know, we don't uh, divide the country. I mean, I know in the United States, people are kind of divided, and people even uh, put a mask before entrance uh, to, to the grocery but in the grocery shop, they take it off. So right, what right. do that good 
to your fellow citizens, as long as we are not in the same page, we are going to have division, we have misery, we are going to have more destruction of these values keep continue. I mean, right now, I mean, in United States, they have over 1.5 million people infected, and according to the stats, it says what 90,000 people died, and probably more, uh, which they haven't accounted for. But why? Why we have to be this? Why we have to be this angry? We know this is a virus. We know they are yeah. not going to make a, a vaccine for this for five years or, or four years from now. So we have to be careful. We have to be, you know, work together. We are in it all together. We have an app in Singapore. We downloaded it. It says we are in it together. And in, uh, the only information they can get very limited one. And suppose we are going to store and come back. If somebody is infected, they send us something. They said you came contact with an infected person. So you know, uh, but we don't take it. Uh, it is optional, but but we do it because we want to make sure. You know, if we came to contact with somebody uh, or not, yeah, you want I mean, it's probably yeah, peace yeah. of mind. And and the exactly. same app yeah, is coming yeah. to. Yeah, same app is coming to America very soon too. But you guys make a big deal out of it, but we don't yes. make big out of it. Go ahead, sir. Right, right. That's exactly what's going to happen. There'll be people who won't opt in on the uh, who won't opt in on the on the app because they're afraid of uh, their privacy being stolen. They're more concerned about their privacy and everything in Big Brother than they are with the the virus. So it's uh, you know we'll see. You know, we'll just see how it plays out, I guess, right? Well, you know, I guess the other thing is is the idea of civic responsibility and that uh, if you have a feeling that you should, we're all in this together, uh, masks are not necessarily going to protect you as much as they might help you not forward transmitting the infection. And all of that helps break the chain, you know, and, and, uh, is there? Are, I, I think Steve Ray sent something today. Where some people can't wear masks; they're, they're medically not able to. Uh, but for most of us, uh, we can, and I think it'd probably be a good thing to maybe do that. We just see things so individualistically here, as opposed to the greater benefit maybe view that is more natural in Singapore. Uh, I'm sorry yeah. to say that. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, that's kind of the case with a lot of Asian countries. A lot of them. Uh, a lot of the folks, a lot of those countries, the people there, uh, masks are, the, the, people were wearing masks for a while before all this ever happened, right? I mean, that was kind of like, yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. you know, I don't know what they were concerned about, but I think they, they probably had to deal with worse public health issues, I guess, China. than we did. What's yeah, that? Pollution from China, pollution from China, pollution from Malaysia and other countries. India was also, they, I mean, uh, we don't, really have a, a big compliance. I mean, you know, it's for your safety. And yet, vaccine uh, really is, uh, according to Donald Trump, that he said he's going to mobilize all his army and uh, 
to give us vaccines, for example, by end of this year. And he said he's going to open up everything in United States of America. And so the thing is, uh, first of all, what do we, uh, uh, this or this uh, uh, coronavirus COVID-19 has been mutated uh, many, many times. Scientists, uh, they found that 40 times, it was two months ago, and by now probably is 800 times it's mutated. But something oh, that boy. is mutating, how can you find a vaccine for it? That's my question from your panel, number one. And yet, what is it that you want to give antibodies? What kind of antibodies is that that you want to give to the 300 million people? And so basically Donald Trump, he is he, he, also globalist and he also, he, he is, basically he lied and he lied and he keep lying and people don't recognize it. Go ahead, sir. Tyler? You mean the, what kind of antibodies would we uh, try to, to induce in people to make them immune? Uh, I think what they're going to look for is uh, the receptor. We do understand what the receptor is. And then there's a, a core uh, part of that receptor uh, that's uh, basically known as RBD, receptor binding domain, that is pretty critical for the function of the virus. It can't change much. And so we'll probably try to use that as, as the prime target to make antibodies. Uh, the question then becomes, uh, is that uh, going to actually work in terms of neutralization against the intact virus? And, and that's where we have to do the, the tests, the plaque reduction, neutralization titers. But um, uh, we, we have to uh, kind of, that's a good starting point. The problem that people worry about is if this particular virus is analogous to other like common cold viruses and coronaviruses are, are part of those, that sometimes our immunity is really solid for a few years and then it begins to wane. And that's because maybe the viruses are changing a little bit or we, we need to, um, in medical uh, terms, a lot of times we apply a booster to remind people, uh, you know, hey, you know, keep, your body, keep these antibodies up. We may need to boost, but we're on such new territory here that all these things remain to be discovered. And so this is one of the, the worries about uh, how effective will we be, how long will it uh, be effective, and um, it could possibly turn out that we will need to boost people every few years for a while until maybe we can get the, the levels down to a point where it's relatively rare. But uh, there's a possibility that this virus is going to be with us uh, at a low level for a long period of time, and uh, we'll yeah. have to have to cope, as as Tim was was saying. So there there are so many unknowns. There are there are lots yeah. of targets. There are great places to hit, and we know we can hit them. But ramifications of uh, does that mean complete immunity, or how good of immunity? You know how effective. Those will only be discovered when we get there. I'm sorry to say. Yeah. Mike, did you have a first question? I thought I missed your first question there. What was the, aside from the uh, yeah, antibodies, what were you Right. My uh, first, uh, I mean, second question was, he answered, he says it takes five years minimum 
to develop a really a vaccine or some other form of uh, treatment for it. But, uh, you know, so this is with us for a long time. So why should we divide uh, and, you know, try to uh, create more chaos in, uh, for example, North America? Because right now those people who are coming and uh, mass demonstrate and bringing their guns is not only the threat to the uh, country, national security of the country, and uh, etc. This is not the way you deal with it. You want to have right to demonstrate that, go ahead, demonstrate, but at least we have a mask, at least have a, uh, right. in Asia, we have 12 feet away from each other, actually, in Asia, not six feet. But oh, wow. the question is, yeah, uh, in question, uh, the, the thing is, they, uh, they cause more havoc in the system, so Basically, uh, people who have uh, to have surgeries, now they cannot have surgeries because all the hospitals are with COVID patients. And it's still right. rising. We see that, uh, for example, um, South Dakota is rising uh, uh, 123% rate rate now. And many other places that they were low, now they're getting high. So, yes. I mean, it's something we must work together and come to the agreement, and we are in it all together. We have to have compassionate peace, love, unity. Otherwise, we are going to infect. Infection goes to infection, infection going, and 80% of the population in the United States will get the uh, coronavirus by election. What do you think of that, sir? Oh, please, no. Well, I hope I, not, I hope but that, we'll, yeah. uh, we'll uh, see. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, that's one of the worries that we have. Uh, if we're unbelievably, unbelievably lucky, uh, and maybe there are a lot more uh, asymptomatic cases than we realize, and there's more immunity in, in the general population, but my fear would be that we're probably 5 to 10% of the population um, immune overall, it may be higher. I think we mentioned in New York, you know, like 10 to 20 times more cases uh, are actual infections as opposed to the hospital cases at one point. Uh, that's my personal estimate. I can't say that that's the, the number. But, um, yeah, the, the fear that I have is that it, it does get out of control and we could find out what this thing can really do and we don't want to know. I mean, we already have. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going to hit 100,000. By June, I think easily. I think we mentioned that oh, last yeah. week. Oh yeah, yeah. We're, we're going we to right yeah. We may be there. We'll be there like by Memorial Day, probably. Uh, I, I think so, days. Tim, and, and I think we're going to blow right past the original uh, predictions where they're saying if everything goes right. I don't know if you remember the model. If everything goes right, we'll have a hundred thousand, maybe hundred fifty. Uh, we could lose that uh, goal very quickly, and in fact, I think we already have. But um, yeah. Oh, God help us if it's 80% of the population hit by the election day. Uh, it, it yeah, that would be pretty be, bad. Oh, yeah. I, I Do you know why? Do you know, sir, why? Because one person who is infected can infect uh, 400 people in a month. Yeah, right, right. Them, 
Each one of them can infect another 400. You may have a symptoms or you may not have symptoms there. Uh, and, and that's why, based on those calculations, based on the uh, uh, things that we have seen in North America, especially that people are not following the code of conduct uh, or listen to their authority. Uh, and, uh, you know, that is causing a thousand more harms than to listening to the authorities. Unfortunately, yeah. but yeah, true. Absolutely. Well, we're uh, you know, we may not seem this way, Mike, but we're 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 in this together, me and Tyler and you, brother. So be safe uh, out there in Singapore. Uh, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for listening. Thank you, sir. Bye bye. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Have have be careful. Be careful. That was very lightning caller. I. I uh, I was mildly concerned that Mike was going to prank us. I, I'm still not used to <laughs> callers. No, that, so. was, that was good. He He's definitely following the news very carefully, uh, and that includes it here in the United States, even though he's all the way in Singapore. Um, you are global, man. I know, dude. This is a very international episode. Well, we got one more caller on the line here. Uh, that's partially why I kind of gave Mike the bums rush, because I don't know who this person is either. But I want to make sure we get them on the show. So uh, let's get this caller on. They've been on hold for a while. Uh, they're also a Skype number, so hopefully they recognize that they're on the air now. Uh, caller, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. Hi, I'm Stuart. I'm um, I'm the I'm one of the guys from the chat, the FL1605 guy, the guy from the UK. Do you like to make drawings? <laughs> do, do I like to make drawings? Yeah, you know, like the skit. Do you know that skit? (laughs) (laughs) I guess that. I know. Stuart, what's going on, man? He was in the chat, folks. (laughs) Stuart is a longtime uh, listener, and uh, he said, I'm like the dude, uh, like the big Lebowski of the paranormal, which is becoming more and more true (laughs) by the day, but. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you. Well, yeah, I meant that as a compliment because you seem so sort of just like laid back all the time, and it's like, it's just, it's, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's it's nice, and yeah, it's nice that you're I, around, I, like doing these doing these again because it's sort of something familiar from before, you know, before before coronavirus happened. So that's good. That's that's quite. I find that quite comforting. Yeah. Oh, how about that, Tim? So See that, Tyler? Where are you located? Where are you located exactly in the UK? Uh, I'm just north of London in this town, in a town called St Albans. Okay, I I, th- I think I've All been right. through there. Oh yeah, it's it's a nice place. Yeah, it's got a cathedral yes. and everything. And yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, so it's nice. Not that I've been in there for a while though, obviously. So uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, that's no, good. I mean, um, yeah, I was just I was just well, I was I was on the chat and like um, I just phoned because I was I was. You know, I'm trying to explain what it's like in the UK, but I thought it'd be better if I just spoke about it and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I want to know. I owe you an apology because it was Simon from the skit, not Stuart. So <laughs> I don't expect you to... <laughs> I fucked the joke uh, up. See? I am yeah, an ass. I, right I apologize, Stuart. So... I... Yeah, no, so well, now... when, I was a baby, when I was a baby, I yeah. used to be homicidal and want to take over the world. That That's for Stuart. <laughs> There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, what's the situation in England now? Uh, I guess start with the now. Uh, I think you were saying that people 
you've been in the lockdown now for like six weeks or so, and people are getting stir crazy, and they can't keep the cops can't even uh, really keep up with the people who are breaking out and shit. Yeah, well, yeah, it's like people are gradually coming out more. Um, so I think I think the prime minister he sort of he sort of tried to he sort of tried to like acknowledge that by saying uh, people can go out more than one hour a day now. They can go out more than once and for longer than an hour. And, but I think he said that, I think the people coming out happened before he said that. I think people are just sort of going to parks more and, um, you know, and, and sort of and going for walks more and sort of going to these, like, national parks more and just having picnics and stuff. And the police, are, and that's the sort of thing police are trying to find, well, the police are giving out fines, but more and more people are just doing it and it's sort of becoming a bit uh, sort of unsustainable. And then... Um, people, have, Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, said that people can go back to work on Wednesday, and and so their public transport is getting very crowded, and it and it seems like there's a lot of poor people who are now being even have to have the choice, which is a horrible choice, of either going to work and possibly getting this uh, coronavirus, or staying at home and and sort of and starving basically. Um, so that's like yeah. horrible. Isn't it? So, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, and then, and then he said that schools are opening on the on the first of June for so, it's for like uh, the youngest children. Um, I don't know how you say it in America. It's like reception for us, like the four to five year olds. Is that K? Yeah, like kindergarten. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so it's like kindergarten, the year above that, and then the year, the oldest year um, before you go to secondary school. So that's like the ten to eleven year olds, just so they can have some preparation time for that. But, yeah. Okay. Um, he, he did it with like, he did it with the sort of, he did it with the sort of um, way that someone dumps someone by changing their relationship status on Facebook because none of the teachers <laughs> had heard this either. It's like the first time he heard of it. And, and like now the unions and the doctors are all up in arms and saying like, we, no one knows how we're going to make this work. No one knows how we're going to get a bunch of kids in school. I mean, like some teachers are over like in their 60s, so they're not going to want to come back. Some children, I mean, there's, I mean, my son's going to be one of these children, but he's got a classmate and who's got a sister with cancer, so that uh, that guy's not going to come back because yeah, oh boy, yeah. stuff. And then some parents are like, well, I, I don't want to send it. It's like, I mean, everyone seems to be flying by the seat of their pants, which is, um, I mean, well, I mean, you can't blame them for doing that because I mean, it's happening at the same speed. But I think, I think a lot of politicians are really. They're getting itchy to open up the economy. It's like that. That's. I mean, talk, from my point of view, people seem to be talking about the economy more than they should be in this situation. I know people need to eat, but it's like, you know, you, I mean, it's it, to me, it seems a lot of the economy. Now that we're doing this, a lot of the economy is sort of based around stuff that people don't really need. Um, I mean, a lot of people have gone down to the essentials, like you need food, you need shelter. Um, so you know you need to make people make sure people have that in my humble opinion, rather than trying to open up. Um, I'm not going to name anything. I'm, I'm not saying that any anything's like uh, worse than one thing, but it's like right. Yeah, and I, I understand your I understand your perspective. Yeah, yeah. No one's yeah. It's hard. No, you know, no one no one wants people to think you're playing God or anything like that. So it's like one person's job is is uh, yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, it's very. It's very difficult. It's very difficult, you know, to uh I empathize with the people who want to get out and work. I don't know if you've been listening to the show for a while, but you know, I I totally empathize with them. I uh, but we've been stressing on the show too and like Jim Vujovic pointed out with Florida, 
it's it's a psychological thing as much as it is a bureaucratic thing. So the idea that just uh, that that people won't come to the restaurants because the restaurants won't open is not is 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 a fallacy. It seems like it's turning out because the restaurants are opening and people aren't coming. So yeah. clearly the issue isn't necessarily whether or not we should open the restaurants. The issue is people need to feel like they can go to the restaurant without getting sick. Yeah, and and, and yeah, exactly. But unfortunately, it's it's like, I mean, this coronavirus isn't going to go away, and it's it's. I, 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 yeah, and uh, I mean, I, I feel really yeah. bad for people in restaurants and like the travel industry and and like the rest and yeah, because it, it looks like um, it's going to be around for a while. And yeah, it, like even if they do open, people aren't coming going to them. So I, I well, you know, it'll be easy. It's easy for me to come up with solutions. I think the government should give people free money, but uh, I, I'm not <laughs> an economist, and that'll probably ruin everything in the long run. But uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's a trade-off. I'm I'm in the free money camp too. Who, anyone who isn't in the free money camp is crazy. But yeah, yeah. I think it would be if they kind of. I feel like I'm sure they have. I don't know, but I feel like if they sort of tried sat down and did the math and everything, it probably would just make more sense to give people like they gave everybody here like about twelve hundred bucks, give or take, for the most part, and. uh uh, they're talking about giving more, but I think it's going to have to be something like that because that at least uh, that at least can help people and shit. And uh, it would be more; it would probably be more cost efficient to give everybody like like another two grand or something than to pay for all the medical expenses and everything that's going to cost for the people that might get sick. Like that's what I mean. They, I'm sure they tried to do the math on this, or somebody's doing the math, or somebody should do the math. Yeah, uh, exactly to try and figure that out because it might be just more beneficial just to give everybody that money rather than businesses going under. And then you got more to, then, then, then you're just putting a band aid on a bullet wound in a sense. So, yeah, exactly. uh, people could keep their businesses open if they got, there's a lot of problems. I'm sure. Do they have like a stimulus package in, in England? Like, uh, they have here and in Canada, like, do they bail out these small businesses yet? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, well, I, I care as a small business. Well, I'm, I'm a, I'm a tutor. I'm a science tutor, and I lost, I lost a load of business because exams got cancelled. Um, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm getting a bit. Um, I mean, I've moved all my tutoring online as well. So I mean, I'm, I'm lucky in the sense that I've, I've got a, I've still got a bit of business, and I'm still going to get this check and and whatever. And but yeah, mine's not coming till June. Um, I'm, I'm not sure about the people. I mean, people have been furloughed with their, as in you know their. They've been put off work, but they're gonna they're gonna get eighty percent of their wage. Um, yeah. And it was just for March, April, May, but now it's been extended up till October. So every so people, oh. yeah. Oh wow. So, um, I I know. I, I wish you guys could have the same. I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, how, I, you, I, I'm trying to look on on sort of positives from this, and like maybe we'll get in the habit of just giving people free money that after the coronavirus is like being contained and that all that people have got the vaccine or that we've got life with and basically it might just make, hopefully it might become the norm. And then, you know, people won't have to worry about starving at all. Um, at least because at least everyone will have access to some kind of income. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, that's a long, I mean, that's a long way off. I mean, that's, that's another thing that people, 
I think at the beginning, a lot of politicians were like, oh, well, you know, we've just got to do this for a few months. Or, or, and, and they're going to keep saying that just because I think if, you know, I personally, I think it might happen for a, until the vaccine's found in 18 months. But I think if any politician said, oh, we're all going to have to do this for 18 months, then everyone will be up in arms. So they've got to keep on saying, oh, it's got to be a, another few weeks and another few weeks. But uh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. You, you could be on to something there. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's rough. Now, if I wanted to come over to England, we were talking about me going to Ireland. I assume it's the same as England. Uh, you guys got that, like, people aren't allowed to come and visit, right? Um, oh, so, sorry, yeah, I, I laughed because I think you're saying that Ireland's exactly the same as England. No, I don't, I don't think anyone's allowed to visit. So, uh, or, or, yeah. or maybe, they just, maybe they're just saying you've got to have a two-week quarantine or something. They're, they're trying to open up the airports as well um, because that's been really hit hard. So... Um, I think yeah, I think I think you're gonna have to have a two week quarantine uh, at some point. I don't think it's quite. Yeah, who has yet. time for that? Then if you want to go for like ten days, you got to block out almost a month. Yeah. Exactly. So, who, yeah. Who has, unless you're retired and shit. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. It's gonna put people off, isn't it? Um, yeah. So the airlines are not are like that's not gonna work. That's just. Yeah, it's unsustainable for the airlines as well. So, um, yeah, I feel sorry for anyone who works for an airline because, I mean, that that's completely, the industry's gone, yeah, that industry's gone down, like, um, yeah. I mean, Yeah, I, it's I, pretty. I, yeah. Yeah. It's people pretty rough. Do it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to take positives from this, like, I, I mean, uh from my perspective, I mean, I mean, it's given me a chance to look at you know what's really important in life and cut out, cut out, cut out stuff that uh, you know is just unnecessarily maybe dragging me down or something, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. We talked about that sort of in the beginning of all this that it, it should offer us that we should take some time and sort of get some perspective on the the possible benefits of this, you know. Uh, uh, the, the silver lining to a very dark cloud. I mean, this, uh, believe me, nobody won't. We will all love to go go back in time and not have this happen. But since it happened, it's like, all right, well, let's look at some of the things that have come about since this happened. It makes one wonder. We never talked about this on the show. Uh, if when we get out of this mess, if there'll be a renewed, uh, if it. Uh, the, if the whole climate change thing will take on a different hue, if people will be like, look, we slept on that climate, we've been sleeping on this climate thing, that's probably the next thing that's going to fuck us all up, so let's let's get on that. Or if people are going to be like, I'm just done with, like, we just beat the coronavirus, fuck, fuck let's, let's, like, let's celebrate for a while before we, before we, you know, and it gets pushed off, kind of like, uh, kind of like when there's like a mass shooting here in America, and they go, now is not the time to talk about guns, and it's like, but when, this is the right time to talk about guns, someone just shot a bunch mm-hmm. of people, so maybe that'll be the attitude about climate change after we get out of this, people will say, now, now is not the time to talk about climate change, we just got out of this coronavirus panic, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with all that, because up until, yeah, it was really... It still is an incredibly important issue, um, but nobody cares about it right now because we want to. No one can worry about what's going to happen in like twenty or thirty years, or even ten or fifteen years, because we need to make it like to the end of this year. We need we yeah. need to make sure we get through this year. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's the bad thing about climate change because like 
you know, well, because I teach science, I mean, you know, people, it was in the 60s when uh, Keeling and his, the scientists went to Hawaii and found out that the carbon dioxide levels were rising. And then, so, I mean, technically, we knew about climate change in the 60s, and then it, it's just been dragging on. But I, I think they're interlinked in a lot of ways, like uh, people's electricity usage has gone down. And, and like I've been reading articles saying, like, people are just um, using this as an opportunity to just transfer to renewables like all governments are and like in the uk we've used more renewables than ever and 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 like well even the coal plants are sort of getting um they're asking for bailouts now so i mean it might be possibly an easy time for that and also you know uh, some people are saying that the reason this virus turned up was that people were sort of maybe exploring all these um sort of i don't know like natural areas that maybe we should just leave alone and it was just hiding around in some animals there, and then, and then if people go around, you know, maybe it'll encourage people to not burn down the rainforests because, you know, if you burn down the rainforest, you might catch another horrible disease that shuts the world down for years. So, uh, so the, I, th- I think there's some interlinked bits with the coronavirus and climate change. So I hope, um, yeah, it all sort That's of. That's uh, possible. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. I thought about that. Yeah, in a sense. Too. Even on a karmic level, like I think that was kind of a joke when all this happened, where it's like this is the planet's way of stopping us from killing it. So, yeah. uh, on a very sort of yeah, like a Zen karmic level, you, one wonders uh, if it is some sort of. And also, you know, there's probably could be some kind of scientific thread to that as well. Um, so, well, yeah, yeah you know, it'll it'll be interesting. We need to come back and and think about sustainability. And uh, one of the things is is how much of the natural world we're destroying, but also how are we going about producing food, and uh, uh, how are we exploiting, uh, you know, the uh, ecosystems to get what we feel we need in terms of meat and fiber and and other products. Uh, Those things can come back to haunt us in a big hurry. Uh, We get, you know, we've had big worries about influenza with good reason, and a large part of that is how we handle our herd and flock animals. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I teach, yeah, I mean, I teach a course on climate change to kids um, online, and when I was researching it, it seems that basically rearing animals is probably a, a, like a really a bad, like a really horrible thing for the environment, basically, in, in many ways. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, I, I've said this to a few people. Some people like their meat too much, so maybe the, I think maybe our savior will be the Impossible Burger, where people can taste meat but you know get it from plants. I mean, um, I mean just just the fact that a lot of uh, cows get fed grain that you could just feed to people sort of makes uh, reduces the amount of people you can feed. You can just feed people that, in terms of calories. If you just fed people the plants, then you could feed like ten times more people. And instead of feeding yeah. the plants to the cows, and then, I mean, that, obviously that doesn't apply to grass-fed cows because we can't eat grass. But a lot of uh, animals get fed stuff that humans could eat if uh, we want. I think, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I, I'd go vegetarian if I um if I was any good at if I was better at cooking, but I'm I'm terrible at it. I went vegetarian for a few years, and I was just, uh, yeah, I was uh, I was just terrible at, at doing it, and uh, my uh, I was obviously low on protein, but uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's what I've got to say about that. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but, 
yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's sort of interlinked and stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that's yeah, that's that's my two cents. I, I, just, I, I thought it'd be great to phone in. I mean, I started listening like twelve years ago. So, uh, oh wow, great. yeah. That's no, great. Well, thanks so, for tuning uh, in, man. Thanks for calling in. Now you're uh, now you're part of an all America canon. So I know. It's much appreciated. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I better go. It's like three in the morning here. I just I just couldn't sleep, and uh, so just oh. decided to change oh. lives. Thanks. Well, it, well it, thanks for calling in, man. Much appreciated. Yeah, brilliant. My my pleasure. So uh, have a good all one, right. guys. Thanks very much for for your lovely shows, uh, Tim and Tyler. So uh, yeah. yeah. Well, glad Excellent. you could call in. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, right. be safe Take out there. Be, Good night. Be oh, careful. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. <laughs> How about well, that? There you go. Sam? Look at that. What a great show How for uh, callers tonight. So here's, here's oh, a, a person who's got the dilemma uh, that involves his own child and the schools and everything is coming right up. Uh, it, these, boy, there are big decisions people are going to be forced to make. Yeah, because like we said at the start of tonight's show, uh, we're just this is just a thing now. This is this is the this is the now normal that we have this shitty ass uh, virus to contend with day after day. But for, uh, yeah. Again, it was, when this all started, it was like, well, I don't know. It was just it, the idea. When everything shut down, it was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. I was like, this can't last forever. Um, and uh, now, you know, we're trying to get out of that situation. But it's much easier to start uh, to stop everything than it is to start it back up again, as we're finding. It really is. I mean, that, that, if that wasn't clear before, it is now. I, I think, yeah. honestly, one of the, the, the hopes was that if we just stopped for two weeks, we would break the, the chain of transmission that we would have the virus basically subdued and we'd have a chance to then contact trace and, and stop the infection. And, and yeah. obviously that didn't come to pass. And it's not just us. If you look at, uh, well, Great Britain, uh, proportionally, uh, how many have they had? How many deaths? 60,000 plus? You know, uh, they're, they're hit I'll look while you're talking, Ben. It's been hit as hard or worse than the U.S. on a, a per-person basis. They've had uh, 35,000, so essentially. 35,000 35, Okay, so I'm, I'm way off base there. But um, but they're actually second behind America, so it's you're not necessarily yeah, uh, yeah, barking gonna, up the wrong the tree. Are, the two of us are going to lead the world here uh, very quickly unless Brazil has a, a major meltdown. Uh, well, that brings up an interesting which, point that circles back to an episode we did way back at the beginning of this crisis where we were talking about Russia and how they had yep. like nobody. Well, now, as of this week, Russia is the number two country in the world behind America for cases. They have 262,000. So we talked, I'd like to dig that up, that number from that episode. We talked uh, in just a testament to the insanity of this entire Situation, but we talked about it. Uh, I think the third or fourth week on the show, and it was like, "Geez, Tyler, there's only like 850 people in Russia that have it, and yeah. now here we are, yeah. uh, May 15th, and Russia has 262,000 cases. So all of our bluster or 
or musings or speculation about like, oh, why, why is it that they have not? Well, it turns out that either they weren't reporting it or, uh, or just exploded. Uh, and now look at where they are. They're they're uh, they're in pretty bad shape. Yeah, I think we we were uh, puzzling over how could that be, and I said, well, maybe it's because it's the winter time and the and the tourist travel is way down. You know, Leningrad, for example, is such an enormously popular place uh, in yeah. uh, in the summer. St. Petersburg, I can't see, I can't learn anything new. I'm too old. Uh, but the uh, um, and so we thought, well, maybe that's it. That uh, travel is down because of the weather. And sure enough, look at that. It got in and got going. Uh, the other thing to yeah. keep in mind with those numbers, the last ones I saw, is that their fatality rates were proportionally way too low. And so maybe, you know, they're just they're reporting them slowly or, again, there's another problem. But uh, I, I think we're about to, with 200,000 cases plus. Uh, yeah, their at, deaths uh, are 2,400, so they're at about 1%. Uh, okay, that, that's so. more reasonable then. The first numbers I yeah, saw, so. everybody's going like, that's too low. Yeah, they have 262,000 confirmed cases and uh, 2,400 deaths, so about approximately yeah. 1%. And, and am I correct but, that most yeah. of those are in Moscow, in that area? Uh, I don't know if I have that kind of data in front of me. I do not. Okay. Because so. I thought they were they were the heavily afflicted ones. But St. Petersburg will get hit once the tourists start coming back, you know, because that, that is such an enormously popular place to visit. And, yeah. and phenomenally interesting, by the way, if you ever get the chance. I doubt I'll ever get the chance at this point now. <laughs> oh, you yeah, get the chance. You're, you're a young guy. It, it'll come back. And there's, these places are just so. so full. There are places I want to go, know, Tyler. I want to go to Australia. So I, I agree. I'm right there with you. Uh, but Have you been? Have you a chance to go to Ireland? No, I haven't. I, I haven't been any further in that direction than – uh, Hawaii, actually. Oh wow! So uh, yeah, I've got to do all the the Asia. I still have that's all hasn't been done by me. But these places are just so rich in history: Ireland, England, uh, United Kingdom, Scotland. There is so much. Yeah. And uh, and I'm telling you, Europe is just fascinating. Uh, like I said, I went to to St. Petersburg, and the history there is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. You got to do it. St. Petersburg, Russia? Yes. Sounds terrifying, though. I don't know. i got to wait till things are a little cooler between us and Russia. <laughs> you know what, Tim? It was absolutely fine when we, we traveled there. You have to get a visa. You have to pay to get a visa. Uh, I think I'm good for five years or ten years. Uh, but I was wondering the same thing, because as soon as you, you open your mouth, they know you're an American or a Canadian. Uh, but when, when we were there, we were treated just uh, absolutely spectacularly well by everybody, people on the street, everywhere. A lot of people speak really good English. And, and St. Petersburg in particular is really attuned to tourism. And so and the, the lingua franca there is either Russian or English. Just about everybody has a little bit of command of English. So you can get around very easily. The people were very agreeable. I mean, it was just a great time. Seriously, don't don't pass it up for that reason. Uh, yeah, we'll see. It's not high on my list, but uh, we'll, and Ireland we'll see. is fun. 
the Irish are a lot of fun. So you're, you've got a, a great time ahead of you there if that's going to be your first trip over. Yeah, that'll be my first time in Ireland. I lived in London for a while, so. Uh, oh, you did? Okay. I'm, I'm okay. somewhat familiar with the uh, culture of London, so or the English culture in a sense. Um, I could get around London, like if you drop me there tomorrow, I could probably get around pretty well within like a few hours of getting my bearings. But, yeah, it was fun. That was a long time ago, 20 years ago. Jesus. Well, can you? Uh, yeah. Are you allowed to donate blood if you wish, or did you? Did you get in uh, there? Yeah, no, I believe. Yeah, I don't have any reason why I wouldn't. Yeah, no, I'm good to donate. Well, blood. what they, what they do is, uh, it, I forget what the actual dates are, but if you if you lived in the UK from say 19, oh gosh, I want to say 80 to to um, 1990, you're off the donation list because of fear of. Uh, uh, the mad cow prions, basically the the uh, BSE that maybe leaked into humans. So uh, anyway, there, I don't like giving away any. If I, I if I if I had the antibodies, I would make an exception. If I had coronavirus antibodies, I'd make an exception. But otherwise, I don't give away any of my body parts. So <laughs> blood, including blood. <laughs> okay, once again, so the spirit, Tim. You're. <laughs> Showing the way. Well, I just <laughs> you know, to me, way. I just feel like I just feel like when they put that thing on your license, it's like organ donor. It's like I just feel like they. <laughs> I feel like you get substandard service in an emergency. I feel like you're like, well, it's all right, doc. Don't feel bad. He's an organ donor, so. Other people will benefit from the fact that you didn't get to help him until you finished your lunch break or whatever. So, <laughs> yeah, and, and we could use that liver. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or he's like, yeah, he's like, my stepson needs a kidney, so let's just look the other way on this guy that came in. So, yeah, I'm taking all my shit with me. Uh, the late, we got like 60 seconds, but I'll. I'll bring this up. Uh, the late, great Tracy Twyman had an amazing story. I tell this story to people all the time about her father who uh, he argued for this idea that you could that you should be able to essentially like um, like a reverse mortgage on your on your organs. Oh. So you could yeah, you could pre-sell your organs and get some kind of payoff from, I don't know, the pharmaceutical industry or something. So right. I thought that was a really cl- clever and interesting and sort of like creepy also but futuristic idea where it's like, well, you have a supply of shit that's in high demand, so you should be able to pre-sell it ahead of time where it's like, all right, well, when I die, this medical company can, they own all my shit, all my kidneys and liver and eyeballs and all that. So <laughs> Okay. That's a new one on me. I hadn't heard that before. I know. I'd never heard it either. It blew my mind, though, when I heard it. I'm like, I this this idea needs more needs more attention. I like it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we've lost we've lost the live audience, but I want to thank. Let's see if I can do this right. Mike and Stuart, who called in on the show uh, from Singapore and England, respectively. Pretty amazing. Uh, Jim Vujovic and Zach Copley in the chat room. Uh, down in Florida and in San Francisco from coast to coast. 
and Sasquara all the way down in Australia. So an amazing lineup of live listeners. I'm sure there were others who were listening live but didn't uh, join in in the participation aspect of the show, and uh, we appreciate them listening anyway. And, of course, all the folks listening on the MP3 uh, down the line later on. So, yeah, great show tonight. And uh, next week we'll, we'll wrap it up for a little while, and uh, we'll see where things go from there. Sounds good to me. All right, brother. Well, on that note, uh, yeah, thanks to everybody for listening. Thank you again, Tyler. We'll be back next week. Uh, Until then, be safe out there, everybody.